Well, hi, church. If you're new with us, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here, and I do miss you all. I wish I could see you face to face today, but it's great to have you join us. Let's come before God in prayer before we hear from his word. Father, we thank you that you are so good, and we thank you that your word is so good. We thank you that it has just been read for us, and we pray now as we dwell in it, would you challenge us, comfort us, Build us up and show us how to walk in your blessed paths. For your glory and honor, we pray. Amen. Well, last year for my birthday, I was given a smartwatch. And it's my first smartwatch I've ever had. I've got to say, it's pretty cool. One of the coolest features about it is it can tell me about my heart. It can tell me about my heart. It can tell me how fast my heart is beating. It can tell me if I've got an irregular heartbeat. It can tell me my blood oxygen levels. It can tell me if I'm working out too vigorously, which, let's be honest, doesn't happen very often. Uh, It can tell me if I'm not working out enough, which is much more likely. It's really cool. It gives me a measure of the health of my heart. And I think that's what God wants to do for us today from this passage. This is a chance for us to do a bit of a spiritual heart check. In particular... How are our hearts going when it comes to loving others? That's the theme of our whole year, loving our neighbor. All throughout the year, we've been talking about loving others. This is a chance halfway through the year to just do a heart check. How are we going with loving others? Are our hearts open to the needs of others around us? Are our hearts open and ready to sacrificially love those that God has placed in our path. Our passage this morning is 1 John chapter 3. It's all about love. It's all about love. And we've got three points today. Three points. And each point is a chance for us to reflect on our hearts and how we're going with loving others. Point number one, we are called to show a love for one another. A love for one another. Have a look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. It says this, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. John's saying to his readers, This is what you've always known. Ever since you became a Christian, God is love. He's loved us, and we're to love one another. And if you're watching today and you've been a Christian for even a little while, you'll know love is essential to being a Christian. In particular, in this verse, what does it say? Love one another. Those words, one another, in the Bible, it's talking particularly about loving our brothers and sisters in the church, loving other Christians. Now, of course, we're called to love people outside the church, and everything we talk about today applies to people who aren't Christians. But first and foremost, we are called to love God's people. I wonder if you've ever heard someone say this, Oh, I love Jesus but I don't love the church. I hate the church. I get why people say that. Maybe you're watching today and you've been hurt by someone in a church, a leader or a member. If that's you, I'm, I'm so sorry that you've experienced that. But we've got to know that what God's saying through his word is that to be a Christian, we need and we're called to love God's people, the church. That's what, that's what the church is, God's people. You see it at the beginning of chapter 3. We heard it read for us before. It says, chapter 3, verse 1, 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. If you're a Christian, you are a child of God. God is your Father. And we're called to love our brothers and sisters in God's family, our fellow children of God. So church, how are you going with loving others in our church family? You know, praise God, there are so many stories across our church of people loving others in amazing ways. People making meals for the sick and the hurting. People grieving with those in pain. People paying people's rent who are struggling, lending cars. Do you know, on any given Sunday, there there are people in our church who are less mobile. They can't make it to church. And so there are people who drive those people to church and back. It's not convenient for them. It's not like it's on their way. No, they do it because they love them. There are just so many stories across our church. Praise God. And I've spoken to people before who've come to not necessarily our church, but just church, and they're not a Christian. They've never been a part of a church. And they see tangibly the way God's people love each other. And they say, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. So how are you going with loving others? We're in lockdown at the moment. And uh, in some ways, it's harder to love people when we don't see them face to face. But, you know, there are so many opportunities to love people right now. People in our church who are living alone, who don't have much contact. People in our church who are struggling with their mental health right now. Who, who have family overseas that they haven't seen for years. I spoke to someone this week who's just lost a family member. And they can't go to the funeral because there's only a limit of 10. These are opportunities to, who could you check in with? Who could you send a text to? Who could you pray for or go for a walk with? So many opportunities to love people, even in this season. And, you know, you don't have to be especially gifted to love people. You don't have to be some superhero. And you don't have to do anything extravagant, actually. Just listening praying, patiently bearing each other's burdens. Everyone can do it. Well, the opposite of love is hate. And that's where John goes next. You look at verse 12 of chapter 3. Verse 12. He says, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil. And his brothers were righteous. I don't know if you're familiar with the story. It's in the Old Testament. Cain and Abel, they were brothers. Abel makes a sacrifice to God. God accepts it. Cain makes a sacrifice to God. God rejects it. And what does Cain do? Do? He's jealous. He's envious. He hates his brother and he kills him. And John's saying that's not love at all. That's hate. It's from the evil one. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, cool, Andrew, that's great uh, that you said that, but I'm not planning to kill any brother or sister of mine anytime soon. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, but look at where John goes next. Look at verse 15. Look at verse 15. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Seems a little intense, doesn't it? If I hate a brother or sister, I'm a murderer? 
Jesus actually said a very similar thing in the Sermon of the Mount. What's it saying? God looks at our heart. He judges our heart. And the heart of someone who hates, who, who, who wants to see someone come into harm, who is gripped by hate, it's very similar to the heart of a murderer. And God looks at our heart. It's not saying that hating someone is the same as murder, but God looks at the heart. Let me ask you, is there someone that you hate? Is your heart gripped by hate for someone? Maybe it's someone outside the church, but in particular, a brother or sister in Christ. I'm not saying it's easy to stop hating someone. I know some of you have been wronged and hurt in very deep ways. I don't want to make it out like it's easy to just stop hating someone. Can I encourage you to pray to God and ask him to deliver you from hate and help you love? We don't have to be best friends with everyone in God's family, but we are called to love. They are fellow children of God. Because as John says here, anyone who hates a brother or sister cannot have eternal life residing in them. Hatred cannot be a characteristic in the church. So how's your heart going? Are we ready and open to love one another? That's point one. Point two today. Number, point number one is love for one another. Point number two, a love that assures. A love that assures. It's a very common experience uh, as a Christian to go through moments where you lack assurance or you lack confidence. Moments in your Christian life when you go, well, does God really love me? Have I blown it this time? Am I really someone who's got God's Holy Spirit in me? Am I really going to have eternal life? How do I know? Now, many Christians go through their whole Christian life lacking that assurance, lacking a confidence. And that's where John goes next. He's challenged us to love each other, and now he wants to give us confidence, assurance. And here's what it is. If you love God's people, it is a sign that you are God's child. If you love our brothers and sisters, that is one of the evidences that you are a Christian, that you are his, that you are born again. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life. How? Because we love one another. What's John saying? How do we know that we've passed from death, facing God's judgment, stuck in sin, rebelling? How do we know we've passed from death to life, born again, forgiven, God's child? How do we know? Well, one of the ways we know, it's not the only way, but one of the ways it says here is if we love each other, it's, it's a sign. Now, he's not saying that to be forgiven and have your ticket to heaven is just to be a loving person. The message of Christianity is not God is love, and if you just be a loving person, then you'll be forgiven. He's saying it's, it's proof of that. It's evidence of that. It's the fruit that you've trusted Jesus, that you love one another. 
just like an apple tree. You can tell it's an apple tree by the fruit, the apples growing on it. If it were never to grow apples, you'd question whether it was an apple tree or whether it was a healthy apple tree. How do we know whether we're a healthy Christian, whether we have true faith? Well, it's when it flows into our life, our actions, and one of those things is loving one another. Do you love God's people? It should fill you with confidence, assurance. But on the flip side, verse 14 says, if you don't love, you remain in death. Too many Christians claim to be a follower of Jesus. And it never makes any difference to the way they live, any difference to the way they act, and they have no love for God's people. It's impossible to be a Christian without loving others. That's one of the characteristics. Now, at the end of our passage, John keeps going about assurance. He keeps wanting us to have assurance. Look at verse 19. It's a complex few verses, but gee, they're wonderful. Verse 19. It says this, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. What's he saying? He's saying this is how we know that we belong to the truth, that we're Christians. How do we have that assurance? How do we set our hearts at rest? Isn't that what we want? So many of our hearts are restless, never knowing whether we're good enough, never knowing whether we have a guarantee of heaven. How do we go from restless hearts to hearts at rest? Verse 20, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. Here's how. We listen to the only voice that counts. You see, our hearts, our consciences, sometimes they condemn us. And sometimes that's actually a good thing. You know, you might read a passage of the Bible and you might be convicted in your conscience. Gee, I I need God's help here. I'm not not, not obeying God's word here. And, And your conscience convicts you. That's a good thing. But there are other times when our hearts set us on a guilt trip. You're never good enough for God. You've blown it. God doesn't love you. And in those moments, we've got to stop listening to our subjective feelings about ourselves or the voices of those around us and listen to the only voice that counts. Imagine yourself in a law court and you're on trial and you're standing there and the prosecution gets up and they make their attack against you, look at you, you're hopeless. Remember last week when you lied to your colleague? Remember yesterday when you weren't very loving to your friend? Remember that person you looked at lustfully across the street? Who are you? God doesn't love you. You're blowing it. But then the judge gets up and who's the judge? It's God. His opinion is the only one that counts. And it says here in verse 20, God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything. He's a perfect judge. God will never go, oh, gee, I never knew that about Andrew West. Wow, that that surprises me. If I'd known that about him, then maybe I wouldn't love... No, he knows everything. And even though he knew everything, he gave up his son for us to forgive us. What he says about us matters. That's all. He's greater than our hearts. 
And what does he say? How does he say we can have assurance? Well, look at verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him everything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. How do we have confidence that we are a child of God? How? Two things he says. Believe in Jesus. Do you trust Jesus? He's done all the work at that cross. Do you believe in him? And number two, do you live for Jesus? In particular, do you love one another? That is you. And you may not be perfect at loving others, but if you love God's people and are seeking to love God's people, that is a sign. You are his child. And so, brother or sister, next time your heart sends you on a guilt trip, wondering whether God loves you and wondering whether you're good enough, look and listen to the only voice that counts. God. Do you believe in Jesus, his son? And do you seek to love his children? Point one, we're called to love one another. Number two, it's a love that assures. Number three, it's a love that's like Jesus. There's been so many songs written about what love is, haven't there? So many songs, songwriters just wondering what the nature of love is. To quote one famous one-hit wonder, the lyrics are so deep. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. What is love? Now, if only that songwriter had read 1 John 3 verse 16, the answer's right there. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is breathtaking. This is breathtaking. Do you know how much God loves you? He laid down his, he gave up his son for you who freely laid down his life for you even though you were his enemy, even though he knew that we would continue to reject him, he loved us that much. And it's not like Jesus laid down his life for us just as kind of an example, purely as an inspiration. It's not like Jesus said, hey, I really want to inspire you to love others, so let me just kind of show you how it's done. I'm going to die for you. No, no. he had to die for us. We were facing death. He died in our place. He paid the price. He brought us back to the Father. It was the only way. He loved us that much. The love of God, it is, it, it is deeper than an ocean. We'll never grasp it, how much he loves us. And if you're watching today and, and, 
you're not a follower of Jesus. Jesus loves you. There are all kinds of other loves that we can experience in the world. Wonderful loves. But there has only ever been one love in the history of the world that has been totally pure, totally perfect, not stained by any ulterior motive. It is the love of Jesus Christ at the cross shown towards sinners like you and I. He loves us. And it's only when we grasp that love that we see what true love is. Because the love we're talking about to show to one another, it's not this mushy, sentimental love that you, you know, read on a Valentine's Day card. It's sacrificial. It's sacrificial. When I was in year 10, it was Valentine's Day. I wanted to show my high school girlfriend how much I loved her. I didn't have much money. And so I went to the $2 store and I bought her a bouquet of plastic flowers. Now, gentlemen, if you are ever wondering whether that is a good idea, I can just confirm for you, not a good idea. Was not well received. <laughs> Why? Because it didn't cost me anything. It's just two, three dollars at the two dollar store at Hurstville Westfield. It didn't cost me a thing. Now, true love, true love is it's costly. It costs us. That's the pure and perfect love we see at Jesus at the cross. And so if we're gonna love one another in this costly sacrificial way, it might look like loving when it's totally inconvenient. When you have no time for it, really. It might look like loving which costs you financially. It might look like loving the person at church who is draining, who's difficult to love. It might look like loving the person who has no chance of ever repaying you. Not a chance. Looking like loving someone who isn't going to help you network or connect with others. It might look like loving the person who's nothing like you. God's God's people, God's church is so diverse. Loving the person who is nothing like you. It's easy to love people who are like us, isn't it? People who we'd be friends with. It's much harder to love people who aren't like us. The love of God, friends, shines brightest in the hard places. The love of God shines brightest in the hard places. How can you show this sacrificial love to God's people? John gives some examples. Verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? It's a challenging verse there. You know, look at the early church in the book of Acts and it says that none of them had any need because God's people just provided for each other's needs. Who's the person to meet the need in your church family? Can you think of someone who's needy? Perhaps you are that person. And verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 
He's not saying we can't love with our words. Of course we can love with our words. He's saying that if we just love with words and not actions, what kind of a love is that? If I told my wife, Christine, oh, I love you, I love you, but never cared for her, never spent any time with her, never showed it in any practical way, what kind of a love is that? Talk is cheap if it's not followed by actions. No, church, let's, 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 let's do it practically. Not just talk about it, but actually show the love of Jesus in sacrificial ways to those God has placed in our midst. What does Jesus say in John chapter 15? Love each other as I have loved you, Jesus said. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Is your heart open to love one another? Sacrificially, even when it hurts in the hard times. If that is the case, it's one of the signs that you are God's child, loved by him, saved by his son.